Let's start. Welcome every everyone to day number 18. And our topic today is going to be the essence of Yom Kippur. In our previous class, we discussed that everything has, everything in this world has two parts. And the philosophical name of it is, the philosophical name of it is essence and revelation, etzem and giluyim. In contemporary language, it's going to be closer to the idea of essence versus expression. So if you remember, we spoke about the idea that, for example, a table has a lot of forms of expression. It could have a plastic table, it could have a glass table, it could have a metal table. So therefore, the abstract concept of table doesn't have any form. It's formless. When does it get a form? When it's in the state of revelation, expression. So there's a concept that there's an abstract concept, there's an essential concept called table. Now, when I express that, when it comes down into expression, that's when it takes on a form. So we said that that was a, a philosophical concept, but the same concept exists also in real life and also exists on the emotional level. In other words, like this. The example that we used was there's a father that has 10 kids. The father is a very intelligent and he has 10 kids, and the oldest child happens to be the smartest, and the youngest son happens to be the stupidest. And if I would ask you a question, who does the father, uh, who's the father more father to, the oldest or the youngest, the answer, I think, is obvious that there's no difference between the oldest and the youngest. If I would ask you, in the realm of expression, who's the father more connected to, so obviously the father is more connected to the oldest than to the youngest. Why? Because he's the one that he would love to talk to, he would love to hang out with him. But more father, he's not more father to the oldest than to the youngest because being a father is an essential thing. There's nothing that I could do in order to sever my relationship with my father, my essential relationship with my father. The same is also, if I understand that, we could even go one step further and say, in which state or which child has the greatest revelation of the essence of father? And I think the answer would be, and we discussed it last time, I think, that the youngest son expresses more the essential idea of father. Because with the oldest son, the father would have been his friend even if he would be the neighbor's son, because he's so intelligent. But when I see this smart person having a relationship with that very, very non-smart person, so I know it has to be because they have an essential connection because he's, he's the father and he's the son. Well, basically, this was a very short synopsis of what we spoke last time. Basically, what is important for our conversation over here, that just like I understand that there's nothing that could come and sever my essential relationship with my father, the same too, I understand 
that in that realm of essence, nothing could separate between me and my father. Meaning to say, in that realm, there's no sin big enough that could, that could even stand between me and my father. And therefore, how does the day, we asked a few questions about Yom Kippur, if you remember. Our first question was, how does it happen one day suddenly everything becomes atoned for? The second question was, the verse says, for on this day, he will atone for you. It doesn't say who, just doesn't say a name. In front of God, you will be purified. What is the idea in front of God? Then we asked, how come there are five prayers, the only day of the year that we have five prayers is Yom Kippur. Then we asked, how come every Jew is connected to Yom Kippur? And the answer for all that, I'm sorry, and then we had another question that the Talmud says that the essence of the day of Yom Kippur atones. What does it mean, the essence atones? And the answer for all that was, the answer for all that was that Yom Kippur is a day of essence. Yom Kippur is a day where God comes and says, I love you unconditionally. I have an essential connection to you. And therefore, sins turn to be irrelevant. And how is the best way of explaining this? The best way of explaining it is by using an example. Let's say there's a father and a son, and the father, and the, I'm sorry, and the son really did a terrible sin against his father. He did a terrible sin that everybody agrees it's a sin. The father knows it's a sin. The son knows it's a sin. It was done in front of the whole city. Everybody knows it's a sin. And really, the father and the son really mess up their relationship. And the father doesn't talk to the son. The son doesn't talk to the father for a month, two months, a year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. The father and the son have no connection. One day, the father gets a phone call from a, a hospital in Bangkok. And the nurse tells the father, hello, Mr. So-and-so, I want to tell you that your son got involved in a terrible accident, God forbid, and he only has 72 hours to live. If you want to see him for the last time in your life, you could come and visit over here. I think every father in his right mind will get the first flight, take the first cab, not even wait for the elevator, run up all the steps and fall on the son's bed. Comes the simple question, what's going on over here? 20 years you didn't talk to your father. 20 years, and, and not, not because the father is stupid. It was a real, real good reason. Everybody agreed that this was a terrible, terrible sin, unforgivable sin. A son that could do that for a father? No way, Jose. You can't meant for that. So what happened suddenly when the father heard that he's about to die, that he got onto the first plane? So some of us might be a bit cynic and say, you know how it happened? You know, because when we're talking about death, so we become a bit emotional. And when we're emotional, we don't think. And I once hear a speaker say, how many brain cells are there in the emotions? Not really. Uh, there's almost no brain cells in your emotions. 
None. That's what he answered. He was talking about he was talking to young people getting falling in love. So he said, "How many brain cells are there in the emotions?" He said none. So what happened over here? How is it possible? How is it possible that uh, on the second that he finds out that his son is on his deathbed, 20 years of not talking, 20 years of no relationship, suddenly uh, gets forgotten? And the answer, according to Sidis, is very, very simple. The child really sinned terribly against the father. There's no doubt about that. But all sins only have relevance in the realm of relationship. In the realm of revelation, in the realm of expression, but not in the world of essence. In the world of essence, since they have an essential connection, no sin, no iniquity, no offense has any relevance over there. Just like you understand that technically I can't stop being my father's son because we're one, that also means that doesn't matter what I do, I'm still your son. And God says, I'm still your father. And therefore, in that realm, it has no relevance. It's not that he got Alzheimer's. It's not that he, got, he forgot what happened for the last 20 years, what he's a stupid person, he's an idiot. He doesn't understand that there was a real problem over here. But the problem doesn't exist in the realm of essence. The problem only exists in the realm of revelation. And that is exactly what happens on Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, there's a revelation of essence. And in front of revelation, how does the verse say? For if your sins will be red like a red, uh, like a red thread, they will become, they'll turn into white like shoni, shoni. How do you translate shoni? Like silk. They'll turn white like silk. That is the essence of Rosh. That's the essence of Yom Kippur. That's why Yom Kippur has five prayers in it. What is the five? On a regular day, we pray three prayers, which correspond to the three levels of our soul. Nefesh, the power of action. Ruach, the power of emotions. Neshama, the power of intellect. On a special day like Shabbos. On a special day like Rosh Chodesh, we have a fourth prayer, which is our power of will, our willpower, our life force. But then there's a special day of the year where we say a fifth prayer, which refers to our essential self. How do we call that? The Yechida. The Pintalayid. What does Pintalayid mean? Pintalayid means this, uh, my essential self. That's why it's called Yechida. Yechida is feminine of Yochid. God is called Yochid. God is called the one and only one. And Yechida is the part in us that is the feminine of Yochid. The one that is connected to the essence of God. As we're going to say in Sukkot, in one of the poems, we're going to say, 
we have a Yechida that the only thing that the Yechida of, that cares about is the unity of God has nothing else besides its relationship with God. And that is what's revealed on Yom Kippur. That's why every Jew in the world feels a connection to Yom Kippur. Even the Jews that come to shul and talk the whole time in shul about the fact that they're atheists. Even that Jew that is dating a non-Jewish girl and eating with her in the restaurant. That I did say last class, right? I did share that story. Every Jew has a connection to Yom Kippur. I remember once talking to, to, some, to some Haredi guy that I learned with some Hasidus, and for him, all these concepts were pretty new. So he asked me, what, you want to tell me that Yom Kippur works even for that Jew in Tel Aviv? I told him, if it doesn't work for the Jew in Tel Aviv, it definitely doesn't work for the Jew in Meisharim, because the whole idea of Yom Kippur is a day of essence. What do you think, one day? All your sins, everything that you did just flies away, just vanishes. What do you think happens? It's a day of essence. And if it's a day of essence, it's every, every child is exactly the same. So why do, why do you think that you're any better when we're talking on the essential level that you're nothing better than the, than the other Jew? By the way, this is the reason also why it's a day of Shidduchim. The Talmud says that on this day, the Jewish girls would go out and dance in the fields and announce to the young lads, choose me for your wife. Why is it they have Shaduchim? Because getting married is a concept of essence. You can't get married if you're stuck in the way you have formed and shaped your life. I am like this, I am like that. I am like this, I am like that means that basically we are going to clash. The only way of letting, the only way of really connecting and mating with someone else on an intellectual level, on the emotional level, and on every level is when you reveal your essence. That's why it's a great day for marriage. That is also the reason why the verse says, for on this day, he will atone. It doesn't say God will atone. It doesn't say God's name. Because names refer, names exist to which level? In the level of essence or in the level of revelation? The level of revelation. Why do I have a name? In order, to, in order for me to be able to communicate with you, in order for you to be able to have a handle on me, in order for us to connect. Can I ask a question? Obviously. Thank you. So, why do we go through all the al-chait? Beautiful, that's going to be our next thing that we're going to discuss. Brilliant question. Jeremy is asking if there's no sins, if sins have no relevance. On Yom Kippur, why do we mention all of our sins? Very good question. But before we get there, let's only finish the idea that we just started. For on this day, he will atone. It doesn't say God's name because the source of atonement is beyond the name. It's the essence of God. That's why the verse says, in front of God, before God, you will become pure. What does it mean you're going to become pure before God? You're going to become, before God means a place that is beyond God's name.
Now, in order to answer Jeremy's question, if it's a day that has no, that sins have no relevance, how is it possible that the whole day we talk about sins? And the answer for that is, in order to understand this answer, let's go, let's get onto a flight and visit that, that uh, room, that hospital room on the eighth floor in the Bangkok hospital. And let's be a fly on the wall over there. The father comes in, falls on the son's bed, and they hug and they kiss as if there was no sin whatsoever. I want to ask you a question. What happens? What do you think after the father finishes crying and telling his son how much he loves him unconditionally? What do you think the first words of the son would be if he has any brains left in his mind? I'm sorry. Exactly. He's going to say, I'm sorry, comes the question. If you're sorry, that means that there's still sins. If there's still sins, dad wouldn't be in the room. It sounds like a oxymoron. It sounds like a contradiction. If there's no sins, why do you say I'm sorry? If there is a sin, dad would have still been back home. So the fact that dad is here means that there's no sins. Why do you say I'm sorry? And the answer is that's the best time to say I'm sorry. That's the, that's the most suspicious time to say I'm sorry. By the way, we do it every day in davening. When do we say I'm sorry? Not in the beginning of davening. When do we say I'm sorry every day in davening? After Shmona Esrei. Why? Because that's when we're at our highest point of connection with Hashem. There's two types of sorries. There are two types of saying I'm sorry. There's one type of saying I'm sorry from a place of distance. Sorry, you have, you have no complaints to me. I already ticked off that box. I said I'm sorry. But when you're really close and when you really feel unconditional love, you say I'm sorry, daddy. How could I have messed up this relationship? That's why the highest point of davening every day, according to Kabbalah, our davening is like a relationship. It comes higher and higher and higher. It's like a, it's like a ladder. What is the highest point? Shmon Esrei. What is even higher than Shmon Esrei? The confession after Shmon Esrei. That's the reason why we put down our heads. Why do we put on our heads? To be humble. So the simple reason is in order to become humble. What is the Kabbalistic reason? Now hold on to your chairs. You shouldn't fall out. Says Kabbalah. The reason why we put down our heads is the reason why you put down our heads is for the same reason why the groom and the bride doesn't mate, don't mate in front of all the guests. Even though that everybody knows why they got married, even though that everybody knows what's going to happen afterwards when they go, they're going to go home, 
The reason why people don't do that in front of everyone is because it's so intimate, it's so deep, it's so, pri so special that it becomes very private. That's the reason why when we confess, after we confess, we put down our heads for privacy, for intimacy. These are the words in Kabbalah. That's the peak of the davening. That's the climax of the davening. But why is that important? Why is it important that the son says, I'm sorry? So everybody agrees over here with Jeremy that that's the instinct that everybody would do at that moment. They'll say, I'm sorry to their father. But why is that important? So let's go back to that room in the hospital in Bangkok and let's try to think about another scenario. The father's over there <coughs> crying on his son's bed, hugging his son. And then, and then the son, then the nurse walks in and says, hello, Mr. So-and-so. Says, yes, that's me. Says, oh, we were so sorry. It was a mistake. Your son just got a small scratch in this accident. This is the other guy that he's in a terrible situation and he's, the, and he's about to uh, not to make it. Your son just got a small scratch. What do you think is going to happen? The father is going to say, oh, 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 I'm sorry. The whole thing was a mistake. Bye. We're not talking for another 20 years. I think everybody understands that that's ridiculous. That would never happen. Because once there's a revelation of essence, there's no going back. But something else is going to happen. After a day or two, when things are going to calm down, because it's very hard to stay on such a level of revelation. It's very hard to stay on, on a level of revelation to the, to, I'm sorry, to, uh, on a level of essence. So when they're going to go back to the regular light, how close are they going to feel to each other? And over here depends how smart the sun is. If the sun is smart, while there was a revelation of essence, he actually cleared off the air, even in the realm of revelation. Everybody understands that in the realm of essence, there's no sins, no iniquities, no problems. Everything is completely, completely pure and clean. But the question is, Tomorrow, in a few days, in a week from now, how are they going to feel? Not only, okay, we know that they have an essential connection, but how are they going to feel with each other? That's, that depends if I was smart and while there was a revelation of essence, did I use the opportunity that I, did I um, what's the word in English? Did I seize the opportunity and clear off also the state of revelation, the realm of revelation. And that's the whole idea of the al -Khait. That's really the idea of the al -Khait. Al -Khait 
we, we symbolically touch our, our, our hearts. What does our hearts mean? Our heart means our internal powers, not my, not my essential self. And we say, I want to take this essential revelation, this, this, this essential connection that I have, and I want to live with it. By the way, if we're already talking about this idea, that's the whole idea of chapter 25 in Tanya. If you experience this thing and you see your neighbor not talking to his son 20 years and then one phone call from one hospital in Bangkok gets the whole thing restored. I wanna ask you a question. What happens if the next day, the other neighbor on the other side gets into the same fight with the son? What do, you, what do you think you're going to tell him? What do you think you're going to tell that person? I think what you're going to tell him is something very simple. You're going to tell him, why do you want to wait 20 years until you get a phone call like that? Be honest. Close your eyes. And you could do this a day after they get into a fight. Close your eyes and imagine 20 years down the line if you get that phone call. Right, you take the first plane. What does that mean? That deep down you have an essential connection to your son. Why do you need to wait for that phone call? That phone call might never, might never happen. If you have an essential connection, celebrate, celebrate it now. And that's what Chassidus tells us. Let's celebrate our essential connection with God. Don't wait only for Yom Kippur. The fact that we have Yom Kippur means that we have an essential connection to begin with. So going back to our series, if Elul was the courtship, Rosh Hashanah was the proposal, what is Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is standing under the chuppah and making a vow. Yom Kippur, God says yes. It all depends how strong of a yes we built in the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But Yom Kippur, God says, yes, I want to marry you. I love you. I want an unconditional relationship with you. That's Salahti. That's why under the chuppah, it's a bit solemn. It's not tr- sad. But no one, no one takes a drink under the chuppah. Why don't you take a drink under the chuppah? Why do we fast in Yom Kippur? Why are we so angelic on Yom Kippur? Because this is a time of a revelation of an essential connection of unconditional love. No answering cell phones under the chuppah. It's all an essential connection. But it's very, very high up there. It's a revelation of essence. That's why we still need four days between that and Sukkot. Why four days? Because God's name has four names. That's why Hasidim call a day after Yom Kippur, it's called God's name. That's how Hasidim call it. God's nomen in Yiddish, God's name. Why? Because Yom Kippur is beyond God's name. And now we slowly, slowly rebuild God's name, rebuild God's expression into the world. And that's why we, another, we have another four days where sins don't really count, where sins don't really have any relevance. The second we hit ground, the second we hit reality, that's when the next holiday happens. 
And that Sukkot, which we're going to discuss tomorrow. Have a beautiful, beautiful day, everyone. And see you tomorrow, same time, same channel.